Good afternoon. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews this afternoon. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages there. We're going to jump over and kind of do an overview of chapter 11, which I'm sure most of you are uh, very familiar with. We're going to spend a little time in the last part of chapter 11. Specifically, we're going to be looking at uh, 1133 through 1138 and then we're going to go into chapter 12 and at the beginning of chapter 12 look at what's imp implied to us or shown to us by the truth that we find uh, in the text leading up to this point in Hebrews. Before we do this I want us to open up in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope that it provides to us. Lord, if we ever find ourselves looking for hope outside of you and outside of the truth of who you are and what you are for us, Lord, let that be torn down. Let our eyes be open. Let our hearts be awakened to the truth that hope lies only in you, that peace lies only in you, Lord, and that you alone provide rest to our weary, weary hearts. Lord, as we begin to study your word this afternoon, I pray, Lord, you know my heart, you know my shortcomings, you know how inadequate that I am without you. I pray that you do not let my inadequacies stand in the way of the truth that you have for your church tonight. Let your Holy Spirit move, Lord, at the speaking of your word. Let it, let it take hold of us where our hearts have grown cold and hard. I pray that your word and your Holy Spirit would break us, break us into pieces, that we could hear from you. Lord, for those who are here tonight, who may be struggling, who may be beaten down, who may be weary, who may be tired, I pray that tonight your word would breathe new life into us. Lord, seal my lips that I speak nothing of myself. Let the truth of your word be heard tonight. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I, I want to give us a little context. We're going to be jumping into chapter 10. So there's a good deal of uh, text that we're jumping over here in Hebrew. So uh, first, one thing that I want us to note, because I think sometimes, and I've mentioned this in the past, in, in past messages that I've preached, uh, I think... One of the things we miss out on so often 
when we're studying God's word is that we we tend to be bad about I want to make the best use of my time, so I want to jump to just the good text, right? Like chapter 11 of Hebrews, if you've never read it, that's one of the good the good ones, right? That's one of the ones that you you don't want to jump over. We see it as like the faith chapter. If you want to see what faith looks like and and get a summary of some of the greatest events in history and and some of the greatest saints of the Bible, uh, chapter 11 would be a good one to jump to. But I think we miss out sometimes when we don't understand how we got to chapter 11 and why we got to chapter 11. So so the book of Hebrews, uh, the author is unknown to us. Just a little uh, insight there. The Holy Spirit ultimately is the author of this work. If you've ever read it, it's clear by the reading of this text that the Holy Spirit uh, has breathed this. Uh, By the reading of this, you can pull out some information that would help you date this text to somewhere around 67 to 69 A.D. Uh, There was an important event that happened around 70 A.D. Uh, Anybody that knows some biblical history, the destruction of the temple uh, in Jerusalem occurred in 70 A.D. Uh, the text of Hebrews is written to Christians. Now, there's three groups that you could kind of pick out, but the primary group in Hebrews uh, that you can tell is the target of this are Jewish believers, all right? Believers who are familiar with the Levitical system. Uh, what we find in the opening passages uh, up, to, up to chapter 10, where we're going to be jumping in, is the writer of Hebrews is comparing the old way with the new way. And they're doing this for a purpose. Like I say, we land in chapter 11, and and ultimately chapter 11, I believe, is supporting chapter 12. Okay, I think that that if you read chapter 11 and you've never gone on into chapter 12, then you've, you've, you've missed out. Because what we look at is the faith chapter is given, and it leads us to some amazing truth for us in the church, all right? So kind of if, we, if you were to just skim through Hebrews, what you're going to find, the, the comparisons that are made with the Old Testament or with the Old Covenant, New Covenant, you're going to see Christ compared with Moses. You're going to see Christ as the high priest compared with the Levitical priesthood. You're going to find the promises of the Old Covenant compared with the promises of the New Covenant. And then uh, we get to chapter 10. And this is where we're going to pick up. So I'm going to read in chapter 10. Uh, So why is the writer of Hebrews giving us this comparison? This is a question that we should ask ourselves, I think, as we're reading this. Why is there a comparison being made? And at each step along the way, what we find out is that the new is much better than the old. Everywhere that the old would fail, the new excels. Christ is the fulfillment. The old covenant was just a shadow of what was to come. It It just pointed us to what was coming. It was not ever going to make us holy. It just showed us how unholy of a people we are. So we see this comparison done for a reason. The Hebrews, 
And we, we'll see this when we get into uh, the latter part of chapter 10. The Hebrew Christians that are being addressed here are being persecuted, right? We find this oftentimes in the, in the early church where we had the Judaizers who would come in and they would say, well, you got the Jesus thing, but you also need to do this other stuff that we've been so accustomed to. You, you need to keep following along with the traditions of our fathers, and people would be confused. And if they wouldn't do it, if they were sold out for Christ, oftentimes what we find is we find them being persecuted. So we get this Hebrews telling us, comparing the old with the new, showing the promise, and giving hope to those who are being persecuted for holding on tightly to Christ. So this is why the comparisons are given, and this is why it's shown that Christ is superior to everything that the other people would want to try to tag on to him. Now this message is the third part in a, in a sermon series on suffering. So these people are suffering at the hands of uh, what, what probably were old friends. And now we find in chapter 10 a call to perseverance for these people. All right, so we're going to start looking at 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can hold or we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. I want you to think about this. I want God's word to penetrate deep into your hearts and understand what has been done for us. I'm going to read it again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, not timidly, not questioning whether or not we have a place there, but we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. What happened under the old covenant, what, what would happen if you just strolled into the Holy of Holies? They'd have to get a hook or something and reach in there and get your dead body because you're not worthy to go into the Holy of Holies. The priest, the high priest, what if, what if the high priest just walked up into the Holy of Holies? What, what, what would happen? They'd have to get a hook and get him. He had to sacrifice. And, and if we were to go through Hebrews up to this point, that would have been mentioned, is that, that the, the Levitical priesthood, they had to sacrifice for themselves before they could go in and give sacrifice for the people. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly Enter heaven's most holy place. We can walk up into the presence of God. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. For no other reason. And because of the blood of Jesus, you can enter in boldly. Boldly. I'm going to skip to 21. 
And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. So not only can we, not only can we go into the holy place, we're actually told to go. Let us go. Church, and, and the last three messages that I've preached, these messages have been for the church, right? And what do I mean by the church? I mean those that have been called and accepted the call to Christ. Those who have been washed, as verse 19 says, by the blood of Jesus. All right? So, church, I want you to hear me, right? I want you to hear the truth that God has for us. Because so often, so often, and I'm sure probably some of you in here tonight probably feel this way, just absolutely beaten down. Whether it be cancer, whether it be heart problems, whether it be you had to go through your 15th surgery for whatever it may be, you feel worn out. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your friends. Maybe your friends have been telling you, if you just had a little more faith, you just had a little more faith. You just prayed a little bit harder. You wouldn't be going through what it is that you're going through. And, and here's what we're gonna here's what we're gonna see. We'll, we'll, we'll let it. We'll, we'll just let it play out. But I want you, church. I want you to be bold. We have to be careful when we're bold because we should not be arrogant and we should not be prideful. When we're bold, we're bold in Christ. When we boast, we don't boast in self. We boast in the cross of Christ. But let us not be timid. Let's not be timid. Let us approach God. Let us approach Him because we can. Because He wants us to. And He's provided a means by which we can. Let's jump, let's jump down now to, let's look at 32, 10.32. This is kind of, we're still kind of getting the context of where we're at so that when we get over to the, to the text that we're going to focus on, it'll make sense. So 10.32. Think back, and this is, this is the text where you, you get the context so you understand that this book has targeting, is targeting believers who are well acquainted with persecution here. Well acquainted with, with struggles, well acquainted with trials. Verse 32, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. 
Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. As we look at this text, a couple of things that I, I want to point out, right? And I think we kind of live in a bubble where we're at. We can come here and we're not persecuted, there's nobody spitting at us, there's nobody ridiculing us, we don't have to hide out underground. It's not 40 degrees and we're in a hole somewhere, right? We're comfortable. We can sit by who we want to sit by and not sit by those that we don't want to sit by. We can sit in comfortable chairs. We can listen for a certain amount of time and then we can go home. And when we're going home, we don't have to, we don't have to take the back way. We don't have to sneak out the back door. We don't have to worry about who's going to see us. So what happens is we get comfortable and we think that this is the way that, that Christianity has always been. And what I fear is that there's going to come a day when you will be persecuted for coming in the doors and you won't come. You won't come. We need to understand and we need to be prepared understanding that if you look outside of this western bubble of Christianity that's dying under its own weight, you'll see the gospel exploding in the places where it's persecuted the most. Why is that? Why is it that this gospel blows up when persecutions come. Because those who are here and comfortable leave. And those who are ready to enter in boldly stay. And if they come in the front doors with guns to gun you down, you stand boldly. Because it's not fake for you. It's real. Even though the persecution is real, who stands within you is more real. This is the reality of the early church. This is what they dealt with. This is what... Our comfort has blinded us to. So, so we, in our comfort, just hope to be more comfortable. Don't we? Am I, am, I, am I preaching to myself this evening?
there's a part of me, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a part of me that welcomes that day when they try to gun us down. You knew, verse 34, the middle of it, the last sentence in verse 34, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Do you know what? Do you know what happens when all you have is Jesus? Do you know what happens? And those of you who are going through something, and I don't think that God gives this kind of message because it's only me. I think that there's someone or probably many people who are going through something right now and you feel beat down. Do you know why it is that throughout Scripture we, we, we get this picture of rejoicing in suffering? Because when persecution comes, when suffering comes, and it breaks you. When it comes, Christian, church, when it comes and it breaks you, you see clearly. You see clearly who holds you. Because so often we'll carry that weight around. We'll, we'll bear it on our own until it breaks us, until it crushes us down, until we can't any longer, and we see clearly. We see clearly who it is who holds us. And you know what happens when we see clearly, church? You know what happens when we're broken down and we see clearly? We get bold. We get bold. We say things like, death, where is your sting? Bring it! Man, but when we're comfortable, <laughs> when we're comfortable, let the slightest little bit of uncomfort come for us. Why, God, me? You must not love me. I thought you did. That's what comfort does. It spoils you. Church, y'all love me. Man, I love y'all. So, so when I say this stuff, know that I love you. You're spoiled, church. You're spoiled to the comforts that we have. I'm shaking because I don't like telling you this. <laughs> this is not fun for me. Let's continue on. I tell you, Spold, 
tell you it's full. And I'm going to say this. Verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And I'm not going to lie. Hard preaching, and I'm talking about when I'm sitting here and Kip's bringing some hard preaching. It's, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's, it's bitter because I'm like, Lord, there's a whole lot of sin, apparently, that still remains. It's sweet because, Lord, you clearly love me. You clearly love us enough to continue preaching to us. What would he do if he didn't love us? Parents, parents, spank your children. You love them. You love them. You want them to grow up and have some character about them. If you didn't love them, you wouldn't care. God's like that for us. This is why these messages are hard for us. I, I pray, and this is why I say, because if God, if you don't move, we won't be moved, and people will just hate me. It's the truth. God, let your spirit move in us. This makes me hopeful, church. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And now the context, all this passage has led up to this. Now we're at chapter 11. So he's, he's laid out, the writer here has laid out the old versus the new. He's shown all the benefits of the new. We get to 11 here and he's going to give us these examples of faith. So y'all, y'all have read these, I'm sure. You've read this chapter. you probably got it bookmarked in your Bible and underlined and highlighted. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to read a couple of pieces. To start it off, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually ha- happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So then it lists out some people of faith, lists out some of the things that they're kind of known for there in, in chapter 11, verse 13. I, I, want us to, I want us to look at this. There's this comparison that's been going on this whole time, the old with the old with the new. All right? I, 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 want, I want us to keep this in our minds, old with the new and this is for the purpose of encouraging, right? He's, he's been comparing the old with the new all along. He's, he's intending on encouraging with the understanding of why the new is better, what the new brings, right? So he's giving these examples in verse 13. The examples that he listed prior, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. That's faith. So the first thing that I want us to see in this is that that they did not see the cross. 
right? They died with faith that the cross would come, right? They died still believing that God would do what He promised them, right? They died, and if testimony can give them to be, can be given to people, they died counting God faithful. Right? How often if we don't see things play out exactly like they need to play out in our minds and exactly the time frame that we intend on them playing out so that everything can stay comfortable for us, we'll throw that by the wayside, right? Right? Let it not happen today, right? Let me not be healed by whatever ails me today and I'm going to complain about it until it is. Right? I'm going to complain about it. Maybe if I complain enough, right? Maybe if I complain a little bit more, I'll just bug God into whatever it is that I want falling into my time frame and, and, and my expectancies. That's what, we, that's what we do. These people died holding God faithful that while they were in the ground, He would still do what He said He would do. Man, the kind of faith. I receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads on this earth. So we're going to go down to verse 33 now, and this is kind of where we're going to we're going to pick up. This is where it's going to come home for us. So 33 through 38 is kind of a summary of the lives of all the people that have been list, listed this far. And, and really, 33 through 38 is a summary of all the saints up until this point. He, he kind of goes and says, look, if I listed everybody, there wouldn't be enough time for it. So then he goes and summarizes. And so we get a summary here. And, there's, and, and I want us to remember, I want us to remember, he's doing this to encourage, right? He's doing this to encourage those who are being persecuted, right? Those who are going through the trials here. He's, he's encouraging the church, right? And he gives these two broad examples of victory. Right? Now we're going to read these, and, and some of them you're going to be like, man, that's victory right there. That's the kind of victory that I'm hoping for. That's the kind of victory that I'm shooting for. And then we're going to read some, and you're going to be like, that's the kind of victory that, you know, Brother Ray's going to get a little bit of, right? <laughs> that's the kind of, we'll let, we'll let Kip have some of that victory right there, all right? But notice that I, I, I do say victory for both of the camps that we're going to look at here. In both of these, I, I want maybe maybe it's not your friend telling you that you don't have enough faith for your situation. Maybe it's you. Maybe it, maybe there's something in the back of your mind questioning. If I had a little bit more faith, could I jump from one type of victory to the other? Because really, we want we want to shut the mouths of lies, don't we? We don't want to be shut up in the mouths of lies. Truth? Is that the truth? Right? How, how many of you want the kind of victory where you're, you're 
led into the Colosseum, chanting all around you, and they let the lions eat. Right? How many of us are looking for that kind of victory? Is it no less victory? Is it, is it, is it any less victory? You knew, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. You knew. So let's look at these two examples. Let's look at these two examples. Chapter 11, 33. These are examples of faith played out in the lives of many different people in many different ways. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Who wants that? Who wants that? Can I get a raising of hands if you want that? You know, you want that kind of victory. Let me overthrow some kingdoms, man. Let me overthrow some kingdoms in my workplace. Let me overthrow some kingdoms in my school. Let me overthrow some kingdoms in my family. Right? How many of us want to overthrow some kingdoms? They ruled with justice, because that's what we think we'll do. If I get there, man, if I can overthrow that kingdom, I'll rule with some justice. I want this kind of victory. And received what God had promised them. Look at this next one. They shut the mouths of lions. Can I read that one again? Can I read that one just one more time? Because, I, I, man, when I think about victory, I'm going to be honest with you. That's the kind of victory I want right there, man. I want it to come running at me and me be like, Whew. shut your mouth. <laughs> See it. <laughs> Truth be told, I want, it, I want that to happen. I want to get it on video, put it on YouTube so I can show y'all that I shut the mouths of lions. Did you see what Jesus did right there? Some mouth shutting. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's awesome. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. And this is, this is amazing. Some of you, if you would get up off your pews and do something, you may get to shut the lion's mouth. This may be said of you. If you could overcome your fear of comfort. Church, if you want it, go get it. Be bold, man. Be bold. But, but, you may get eat. Jesus may let you get eat so that everybody on YouTube can see you get eat. <laughs> Got to try to plug that analogy back in somewhere. So everybody can see you get eat, and in spite of you getting eat, <laughs> this is going to be crazy. <laughs> in spite of you getting eat, you're still glorifying Jesus. 
Because you may have went to Africa, and they may have tied you up, and they may have got their pit line out to get you. And you may have been going thinking you were going to shut it up. And God let it eat you so that that person that you were witnessing to two seconds earlier says, did you see the way he got eat? Did you see how he went down bold? What is this singing? Look, look, look throughout church history, and it is riddled with people getting eat by lions, eat by pigs, eat by dogs, burnt at the stake, singing to Jesus. That's crazy. Man, we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable. And that, the chance, man, the chance that I might get eat by something. The chance that I might die as that plane lands on one of the shortest runways. And I may leave my kids for my parents to raise. It's going to keep me right here. That fear that as I get off the plane and I'm riding through this city where it's just drug infested, that we may get stopped at a roadblock. That my wife might get raped. It's going to keep me. It's going to keep me sitting right here comfortable. Ain't it? Ain't it? It's the truth. It's the truth. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched flames of fire. They may light it up around you. They may tie you to the stake, light that fire at your feet, and Christ may stop it. He may rain down on it to show Himself. Or He may let them flame it up. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. How many of us want something like that? Right? You're not going to put an army to flight sitting here doing nothing. To put an army to flight, there at least has to be somebody coming at you wanting to kill you. There's going to be a little risk involved in it. There may be that moment where you wonder, am I going to put the army to flight this time? Or is Jesus going to let me fall for his name? 
the messages leading up to this point, right? All things work together. Do you remember? All things. And that includes getting lit up by the fire instead of having it quench. That includes the lion eating you instead of you shutting its mouth. That's all things. Right? That's all things. That includes you dying from cancer versus being cured from cancer. That includes you having to bury your baby girl instead of getting to take her home with you. All for His glory. Verse 35. Women receive their loved ones back again from death. People seeing some miraculous things. Do you question? I think this is an easy one to answer. Do you see somebody come back from the dead that did not first die? Well, let's think about this. Yes or no? Yes or no? Right? Sometimes things have to escalate a little bit before we call it a miracle. <laughs> but man, we did, we, we're at the point in the church today where we just say, you're never coming back from death. Like God don't work like that no more, does he? Like that, that's what we think. That's what we say. Some of you metaphorically may feel like you're past that point of death. Be bold, man. You may get to breathe new life again. Thirty-five, the second sentence. But others, okay, now this is where it's going to get tough. It's going to get tough, man. Normally when I get to this part of chapter 11... I jump on down to chapter 12. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is that message. This is talking about somebody else kind of victory when we get to this point. Right? I've been shutting lions' mouths. I've been running off armies. Jump over. Jump over. But others were tortured. Y'all know what that means? could wrap up in that, the early church. Burnt up, eat up, about any way you could, with the sinful, fallen mind, imagine Christians have gone out like that. Tortured is not like humane execution. There's a reason it's called torture. It wasn't pleasant. These are, follow me here, follow me here. We're in the faith chapter. These are people who had faith. Y'all following? You there with me? Y'all here? Y'all awake still? These are people who had faith. We're in the faith chapter. We're 
talking about people who had faith here. We're not talking about people who couldn't pray hard enough. We're not talking about people who were wishy-washy, who are, I believe today and I don't believe tomorrow. This is the faith chapter. They were tortured, church. Who wants that kind of victory? off lines or having them eat you when you look at one of the two which do you think it's easier with this flesh to do run off armies shut lines mouths right so we're in the faith chapter and he's bringing it home with the tortured. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you got to be fully sold out before you let them tie you up and burn you up when you got the option to say, no, I don't believe in this Jesus guy. Who wants that kind of faith that you could stand there And not deny. It gets worse. They were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. So in case you were wondering if they had the option to back out. Made clear there in scripture for you. Made clear. In case their faith had a waver just a little bit. Their faith was set and fixed. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Again, we see this hope. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Here's, here's the thing that I want you to ask yourselves, church. Where have you placed your hope? Right? Where have you placed it honestly? Honestly. And is your faith as strong as you think it is? They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Man, if you got your hope set on what you're going to do tomorrow or what you're going to do when you get 65 or 70, whatever retirement age is these days, you know, like, I'm going to go and retire one day. I'm going to, man, I know, I know a guy. I know a guy who did that. Saved away. Like wouldn't, let his, wouldn't let his wife turn the air conditioner on, right? Like gotta keep gotta keep those bills low. Had a stroke. 
Yeah, enjoy that RV now. Enjoy that good life. I hope setting anything in this world is not hope. All right? It is not hope. Your hope had better be fixed somewhere else. Or you'll be the one wavering. Let you lose your job. Right? Let some hard times economically come on you. Let you come down with some illness. Let somebody in your family come down with some illness. See what all that comfort gets you. See where all that hope goes. It ain't hope. We need to have our hope in Christ. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Man, this is crazy. You know, if your hope, if your hope is fixed, not in this life, not in this body, but in the next life, in the next body, that's the promise we got, right? Right? The promise has been made to us is that what happened to Christ is going to happen to the church. We're going to blow up cemeteries all over the world. New bodies. Makes it a whole lot easier to let that line gnaw on this one, knowing the God we serve is quite able to give me a better one. Quite able. But when this flesh is all I got, when my hope is in nothing less but than this, poor pitiful me, if something happens to this, right? Crazy thing, crazy thing. And I think we realize it in time. Right? We're little and we think this lasts forever. We get a little older. We realize that maybe it doesn't last forever. And then there comes a point where we're ready for whatever's next. Give me that new body. If we could have that mindset now, have it in our youth, so we're not afraid of this. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. <coughs> Others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Verse 38, man, there's some truth. Man, they were too good for this world. Too good. Scripture says this about them. Scripture says this about them. Man, that our lives would have a testimony like that. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. 
Now, have y'all been following along to this point? Y'all been, been following me? All right, so the book of Hebrews written to encourage, showing the old versus the new. All right, we got something better in the new. Now, it gives examples of faith. These examples of faith are from what? people had that kind of faith knowing that when they died that propitiation was future right we've got it church we've got it 39 all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith yet none of them received all that God had promised, verse 40, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And now comes the therefore. Now comes the application of this truth. So the old, we see what faith looks like there right the new this is them this is us the question that I have for you church is when it's all said and done are you going to be included right you're going to be in that somewhere we don't Get to decide where. God decides where. But church, you got faith. Right? Romans chapter 1. Not ashamed of this gospel. This is, now this is paraphrasing. But look it up. Chapter 16, or verse 1, 16, 17. Not ashamed of this gospel. The work of God is from faith to faith. What does that mean? It means it takes some faith to get in. And that faith grows. It grows. Sometimes it grows because we get to shut the lion's mouth. Sometimes we see that. Sometimes we see that. And we, we shut the lion's mouth and and we realize the whole time, like, Jesus did that. Like, I see Jesus shutting the mouths of lions in my life. I see him running off armies. Sometimes, sometimes, church, sometimes we are sawn in half. It's not because you didn't have enough faith. I would submit this to you, that if you're sown in half for Christ, you got more faith than a whole lot of people sitting on comfortable pews. A whole lot of people. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore. What does that mean? Alright, so he's, he's bringing in a, a, everything that he's done this far. Everything. So go read chapter chapter 1 through chapter 11. So you got everything, right? 
The closest context, what we're seeing here in chapter 11. So therefore, because of all of this, because of all that we've seen of those of the old, which now we know that in Christ something better has come that they didn't get before us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So there's some, man, there's a whole, we could, we could do a whole other we could do part four, <laughs> but you're going to get it tonight. <laughs> wow, there's so much stuff in that. Because of all that, that you've seen, so, so imagine he's talking to these people persecuted. You may fall into that camp. Right? He's talking to them. Because of all that we've seen, because of this huge crowd of brothers and sisters that we can look at and we can see this is what God does. This is what God... Sometimes it doesn't play out and look like victory by the world's standards, but it's victory. It's victory. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What is holding you? Let's be honest with ourselves. It may be fear. I don't know. It may be doubt. You may think, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I don't have enough education. I'm, I'm poor whatever. What's holding you? What weight holds you in your pew? What holds you there to do nothing? Strip it off. Strip it off, church. Leave it there. And run. Leave it and run. Strip off every weight that slows us down. And then he goes on a little more specific. So there's things that are in your life that are just holding you. right? It may be doubt. It may be personal doubt. It may be whatever. You may think, I don't have enough money to do this, that, the other. I don't have an education. You know, there's things that hold us back, that weigh us down, that are not sins in and of themselves, but then they're sins, all right? <clears throat> so I want to be honest with you. Some of you got some sins holding you back. Strip it off. Strip it off. It's holding you back. It's slowing you down from running this race. Strip it off. because it will trip you up. Look at this next one. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Faith. Let's go back 10.39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones. What does it mean to run with endurance? I wish Dustin was down here, man. He, he, anybody do 
really, really, really long distance running, like marathon stuff. About mile like 15, your legs will start burning. I've done 10. I ran with Dustin and ran 10, and I almost lost a toe. I'm serious. <laughs> you get about mile 15, everything starts like the gas is building up. You're thinking, I didn't prepare for this. Your body's thinking, no, you didn't prepare for this. What do you have to do? It's in here, right? You just have to do it. You have to remain faithful. You have to remain faithful. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't look back. Run with endurance. You're, you're going to get tired. This is implied in the fact that it says run with endurance. Right? You're going to get up and run, and you're going to think, man, that pew was comfortable. Yes, it's comfortable because you weren't doing anything. Get up and run, and it's going to hurt sometimes. But run with endurance. How do you do this? Verse 2. Man, this, is, this has been it. This is so awesome, right? It's so so easy to read, and we so often like to put things with it, right? This is what the writer of Hebrews here has been trying to get out of the way. He's been trying to get it out. Why are you keep going back to the old? The new is better. The new is better. Why do you kind of Keep tagging on legalistic means that are just weighing you down. What does he say? How do you run this race with endurance? Do you look at less porn? Right? Is it like, I'll just click one less time today. Right? Do you tithe a little bit more? Do you give a little bit more time at church? Is that how you run the race with endurance? What does it say? Church, wow. If we could understand the truth of this. Go home tonight. Homework. Go home tonight. Look at this. All right, look at that verse. Go to Romans. Read the whole book. He's explaining, or Paul is explaining in Romans what you get kind of shut down in this one little verse, from faith to faith, from faith to faith, not from faith, step on a little bit of work, step on a little bit of work, step on a little bit of work, step on faith again, from faith to faith, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, let him be the focus, the center of everything that you do in your life, and this is crazy, look at this, keep your eyes on Jesus the champion, what does that imply? We're running, so we're running, we're running. Jesus is clearly good at running. He's the champion. This is crazy. This is crazy. Look at this. Who initiates. Go ahead and finish it. Who initiates and perfects our faith. You see, there's a 
there's a man, there's a big misconception. And we don't think it, but but practically speaking, we act like this. We're like, we're like, come to Jesus, right? Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. The text right here says that Jesus initiates, right? Romans tells us that we're enemies and that Jesus came to us, right? You come to Jesus because He comes to you. You believe the faith that you do have. He initiated. He initiated it. You didn't. You didn't muster up that faith. Throughout the New Testament we see this. The Holy Spirit came to you if it didn't come to you. Now this is the part we all agree with. This is the part we all agree with. If the Holy Spirit doesn't call you, can you be saved? No. So can you just, Holy Spirit didn't come, I'm just going to initiate it. So what does that mean then? That God initiates your faith. Do we think that He's going to initiate it? He's going he's gonna to initiate it, get you out running, and then leave you. All men are liars. God is faithful still. He initiates the next part, man. He is so faithful to this. This oftentimes we're going through the trials we're going through. You know what he's doing? He's perfecting. He's perfecting. Like, man, I can't do this. Man, I can't do this. God won't God, I thought you wouldn't put more on me than I could bear. What happened? Because it doesn't feel like I can bear this. Let it crush you down until all you can do is realize that Christ holds you. And that will perfect faith. That will perfect faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor besides God, besides, beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. When you get tired, right? Because here's the thing, you can get tired, right? Running with endurance. Do we need to go back and do that part again? Right? Running with endurance, there's going to be times that it gets difficult. There's going to be times, I don't care how well trained an athlete you are, you run far enough and your body says, not any further. When you get to that point that you feel like you're so weighed down that you want to quit, it doesn't say step one, two, three, right? Do this thing, this thing, this thing. You should already have your eyes fixed, right? Verse 2 of chapter 12, have your eyes fixed so when you get tired, don't look away. Don't look away. Now I'm tired, now I'm going to look away. I'm going to look for something else to help me not. I'm going to look for the pew. Let me come back over here and let me sit down again. Don't look away from Christ, but think 
of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Think of what Christ did. Christian, think about it. You know what happens? And you won't become weary and give up. So here's the thing. This, this thing's not easy. Life's not easy. Some days you may feel like you're shutting the mouths of lions, and some days you may feel like you're getting gnawed on. The point of the last two messages and this one, dealing with suffering, is I want you to understand this. Your situations, church, they don't define who you are. They make clear to the world who He is. So whether you're shutting the mouths of lions or whether you're shut up in the mouths of lions, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Count Him faithful. Count Him faithful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You. Thank you for Christ. I thank you for the cross. I thank you that where we fail, you show yourself to us. Lord, I, I love my church. I love your church, Lord. And as much as I love them, I know you love them far, far more. I want for them. Lord, I want for them, for you to not take them from their situations, but show yourself in their situations. Lord, let us not be defined by what we go through or what we don't go through. Let us be defined by who we are in you. Let us be a people who will bold you, Lord, humbly and boldly. Humbly because we know we're unworthy. Boldly because we know Christ is. You are so worthy, Lord. Your word is so true. I count you faithful that your Holy Spirit will move in us. You initiated our faith. Lord, you will perfect our faith. It's in Christ's name. Amen.